Amen. Well, friends, just before we turn to the passage we had read to us, could I ask you to turn to one other little passage, Acts 20. Acts 20. Could we start here? Now, in Acts 20, Paul is speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And... He has a number of things that he wants to tell them and ask for, but at the heart of what he says to them is Acts 20, verse 28. Here's what he says to elders. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Now, I want you to notice two things there in what he's telling them that they need to do. And especially, Mike and the elders need to be observant of this. Two things. He does not simply say, pay careful attention to the flock. That comes second. First, pay careful attention to yourself. For he will pastor out of an inner fullness. And if he's run dry, he'll have nothing to pastor with to others. And so elders must pay careful attention first keep watch over themselves and then they can keep watch over the flock. There is an order to it and all the church should be supportive of that in Mike. You want a man who is full of love for Christ, not burning out and tired, running on empty. Then he can feed you richly. But here's the question. If elders, if Micah's senior pastor is to pay careful attention to himself and to the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for them, this flock that he obtained with his own blood, how do you do that? How do you? Watch over so carefully yourself and the flock. And that matters for all of us, not just Mike. How do you do it? Come now to Galatians 6, because this, Paul's life motto, as it were, this shows you how to look after yourself and look after the flock. May I never boast, verse 14, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. Now, just, just notice what he's saying there. He's not saying, may I talk a lot about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not what he's saying. That is quite easy to do. You can do that. You can talk a lot and be orthodox and sound right. That's not what Paul's getting at. He says, may I never boast. 
except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all boast in something. We all glory in, revel in, treasure something. And what Paul's getting at here is that what he wants for the the churches, what God wants isn't actually something on the outside about what you say. It isn't something on the outside about how you perform. Do you see, verse 15, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. What the Lord cares about is something inside. A new creation, not the outside, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. What's on the inside? A new heart. What do you love? What do you relish? What do you boast in? Can I ask you that this morning? What do you boast in? What is it that just immediately grabs your attention? Because, and it's not what you tell the world is what you're interested in. What, what, do you, what really do you dream about? What really is it that excites you? And the thing that you boast about, so often people can smell it around you, even if you can fool yourself, right? You say, oh yeah, I'm about the cross of Jesus Christ, but actually it just looks like you're more interested in hearing the sound of your own voice <laughs> or pizza on a Saturday night or a comfortable life or whatever it is, and people can smell it. What is it that you treasure? It's a heart issue. So my question is this. How is it that boasting in the cross can help you keep watch over yourself and keep watch over the flock? How does that work? Why does the cross have that health-giving effect? Well, Paul says, through the cross, the world is crucified to me, I to the world. It means that somehow, clearly, once he boasted in many things of the world. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, proud to be of the sect of the the, uh, Pharisees. But something has made all that die and be dross to him. He's seen something greater through the cross. What is it? The first thing is this. Through the cross, you come to know who God truly is. You know, that marvelous moment in John 12. Do you remember John 12? Jesus is going up to Jerusalem for the Passover. And some Greeks go up and they go to Philip and they say, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. That was a little verse that was inscribed on the inside of the first pulpit where I learned to preach in central London. And you'd climb up inside, inside the pulpit, and no one else would see it. It was just for you. 
And as you climb up inside the pulpit, you'd see these words just addressed to the preacher. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Not you. Jesus. And how does Jesus answer? He says strange words. He says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What a strange answer. Glory, you need to understand what glory is. Glory is the weight or substance of something. It's what it really is. So when the Son of Man is glorified, you're seeing most essentially, what is he really like? What's his character? What's his nature? Who is he? And so when they say, sir, we would like to see Jesus, and he says, the hour is coming when the Son of Man is to be glorified. And he's referring clearly, we're told, to the hour of his crucifixion. Jesus is saying, do you want to see me? Do you really want to see me? Do you want to know who I am? Look at the cross. And that is when you will really understand the glory of Christ. Because we mistake the glory of God the whole time. We go through life thinking the glory of God surely means God's very big and powerful, so he's probably going to forget about little old me. So the glory of God doesn't really interest me. It means that God is aloof. The glory of God means that God is all holiness, so he just wants to judge me. So he's aloof and judgmental. I'm not very interested in that, thank you. (laughs) On the cross, you see the true glory of God. On the cross, you see a God you never dreamed of. We imagine that God... Like all the gods of human religion, God is the sort of being who's constantly demanding from us. You know, you've got a busy life, but I want more time from you. I want worship from you. So he becomes a drag and a drain on us. What we see in the cross is it's exactly the other way around. On the cross we see here is a God so full of life. He dies to give it away. He doesn't come to get anything. He doesn't need anything. He comes to give life freely. His greatness does not mean he's too great to remember you. He's too great to forget you. Yes, you see his holiness on the cross. You see how much he hates sin. He hates evil, wickedness, selfishness. He loathes it and will destroy it. But that doesn't make him crotchety and judgmental, as it were. You see on the cross, oh, I hate sin, but I will go through all this to kill sin and to have you as mine. Friends, any time you find yourself growing apathetic spiritually, you know that feeling? Spiritually bored. 
God doesn't interest you, go to the cross. And there you see the glory of Christ, his true, compassionate, gracious, loving nature. And that is what will refresh you. You also see at the cross, you not only get to know God better, you get to know yourself. Through the cross, I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. When, when you see the cross, not only do you see the glory of God, but in the light of who he is, for the first time you begin to understand who you are. And that means the illusion that I'm basically a lovely guy is just shattered. Because at the cross I see, you see, I, I go through life thinking I'm basically a pretty lovely guy. We, we, you know, I don't get everything right, but, and so, so easily I puff up with pride. At the cross I see, do you think that your sin is a small thing? Then why did Christ die? Your sin is so serious, so deep in you, you can't fix it. You have to be saved. And so at the cross, you find yourself undone. I've got to ask, friends, there's a lack I think I see in the church today. And that is revealed in this. When did you last, or when did you last see anyone else actually weep? For their sin. It's at the cross that you see how serious your sin is. And so at the foot of the cross, tears can begin to flow as you see just how sinful you are. But they're sweet tears. Because at the same time as seeing how much you need to be rescued, you see what a great savior there is. If you need spiritual refreshing, come again to the cross. There, you know yourself and you know him. And this is what Paul's really zeroing in on. At the cross, you receive a new identity. Crucified to the world. Not an identity to do with circumcision or uncircumcision. A new identity by being united to Christ and being crucified with him. What Paul had found was that we go through life 
as he had done, putting our identity in our performance, in our abilities, in our behavior. This is what I find for myself. Just the sheer allotment of my hours means I so easily think I am what I do. Know what I mean? So I am to be judged by my performance, by what I do with my life. And so, so easily, I come to think of myself as successful or unsuccessful, popular or unpopular, depending on how the day is going. Right? And so when that happens, when my identity is based in my performance, I find I'm as fragile as an inflated balloon. Because when things are going well, my ego will inflate preposterously. I think, oh, yeah, I really am rather marvelous, aren't I? And when things don't go well, I just implode. I'm so fragile when my identity is based on myself. To be a Christian means you're crucified to all that. Your failures and your successes, your goodness and your badness don't define you. Christ does. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, your righteousness before God, your standing before him, your ability to pray to a holy God is the same yesterday, today, forever, if you're united with Jesus Christ. However you're doing, it's not based on your feelings and not based on your performance. You have a fixed status. But to realize that status, your identity, crucified with Christ, alive in Him, that message of the cross has deep plow work to do in our hearts. And it does, and pray for this, for a leader. Because just imagine what it's like if a leader really finds his identity in his ministry or his popularity. If that's how things go, if really he's judging himself by his popularity, he'll have no strength of purpose. He'll just pander to whatever people want. If his identity is found in how his ministry is going, he'll be up and down like that. For integrity, to find strength of righteous purpose as a leader, Mike must know. Elders, you must know. Brothers and sisters, you all must know. Find your identity in Jesus Christ alone. And so that your boast is all in him. I said about how the cross, you realize the depth of your wickedness. In our culture today, that sounds awful. You think, why would I want that? It sounds so gloomy. Actually, it's the gateway to joy. It's the gateway to liberation from Desperately seeking applause and popularity and success. No. 
You can be crucified to the world and find a constant joy in the maximal, constant righteousness, status, and love of Jesus Christ. You know, today is Reformation Day. Today, exactly 504 years ago today, Martin Luther pinned his 95 theses to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg and started the Reformation, that great recovery of the doctrine of justification by faith alone. The fact that sinners don't have to do anything to earn righteousness with God. They simply receive their righteousness from God as a gift. Now, Luther loved Galatians. He said it was very extra special to him. He compared it to his wife as being the most beautiful epistle among the others. And for him, this issue, realizing what it meant to boast in Jesus Christ alone, he said, for me, it was like entering paradise itself through open gates. Because as a young man, He'd been desperately trying to earn righteousness before God. And what that did is trying to earn righteousness, never feeling secure before God, never feeling God actually cares for me, loves me, is listening to me. He said, I hated God. And he was nervous constantly nervous, anxious as a young man. He said, just the sound of a wind-blown leaf would make me jump. And then he discovered this news. He discovered an all-sufficient Savior, utterly glorious, who allowed him not to depend on himself, but trust entirely in him. And what that did to him is it gave him joy. It gave him liberation from all his old anxiety, such that within a couple of years, that nervous young monk stood up before some of the greatest, most powerful men in the world, including the Holy Roman Emperor. And he was ordered to recant what he was teaching. And he said, here I stand. I can do no other. God help me, amen. A nervous, young, God-hating man becomes a Bold, joyful, God-loving reformer. Keep careful watch over yourself and the flock of God. And you do that by boasting constantly in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Jesus said in John 12, I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Friends, when you lift up Jesus Christ on the cross before your eyes, you will be drawn to him. When God has become boring to you, when something else has become more interesting, read a gospel, read an epistle, read scripture, and aim to focus on the cross. See there the glory of God displayed. See how beautiful Christ is in contrast to all the boring thoughts you are having. And you will find yourself spiritually enlivened. And in this place, when he is lifted up, he will draw many others to himself. So Mike, elders, brothers and sisters, every day placard Jesus Christ and him crucified before your eyes. Let him be your boast. For when he is lifted up, the saints are refreshed and the dead come to life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you promise that those who look to you will be radiant. We pray for Mike. We pray for the elders. We pray for ourselves that we might be a people who look to you, who look to Jesus Christ lifted up in his glory on the cross, and that the sight of him might make us radiant, reflecting his compassion, his love, his righteousness, his holiness, his mercy. And so may the world see the glory of Jesus. In his name we pray it. Amen.